Hey, we're in a series called This is Jesus, and uh, last week we talked about serve like Jesus. Today we're going to talk about love like Jesus, but it's a continuation of last week. If you weren't here last week, it would be good to listen to the message. It's on the, on the, our, our website there. So and let me say this, that today how I see this unfolding, this is like a conversation, okay? This is like uh, we're going on a journey here, and uh, we're going to be looking at some of the scriptures we looked at last week. We're also going to be looking at some new scriptures in the Gospels there. They're in your notes. They'll be on the screens. And so by way of introduction, I wanted to say this. Maybe when you were a kid here, you had a superpower that you were into. Anybody here had a superpower that you were into? I was into Superman back in the day here, but there's Batman, Spider-Man, Superman, Wonder Woman, whatever. But, you know, many of us, we could identify with that uh, experience in the past here. What is interesting is this, is that a survey was done, and in the survey they asked people, what would you do with your superpower if it was actually a reality in your life? And everyone responded basically this way. It stunned the researchers because everyone responded with an answer that was incredibly selfish and self-centered and all about them. And then they said, but, but, but what did you do anything for other people here? Like, what did you want to fight injustice? Or what did you want to fight crime or, you know, or bring peace, you know, or, or help the less fortunate? And by and large, people said, well, no. And they're like, but why? And they said, we might get hurt. And so, so they were stunned at the results of this, uh, this study here, the superpower study there. And what it shows is this. What it shows is this, as if we are hardwired to be all about me. I might get hurt, you know, something might happen. And so last week we talked about loving like Jesus. I mean, serving like Jesus. Today we're going to talk about loving like Jesus and continue that. But Jesus made it very simple here when he said, you know what? I want to introduce something new to you, a new way of living, a new community, a new life that is available to you. And so we talked about this one commandment here that he said, look, here it is. It can all be summarized this way. John chapter 13, verse 34 on the screens or in your notes. He said, I'm going to give you a new commandment. So it may not seem new to us because you may have heard this, but at the time it's completely new. He says this, love each other just if I have loved you and you should love each other. Now, Jesus said this about two weeks before he was going to die on a cross. And his popularity is at an all-time high. He's just raised Lazarus from the dead. And so people are believing that had never believed. I mean, come on, if you saw a dead man walking, you probably would believe too. But so people are believing that have never believed. His, his popularity is amazing. But there's some people that wanted to do away with him. And some people hated him. And there was antagonism. And there was opposition against him. And it was growing there. And all Jesus was doing was say, you know what? You need to love one another like I have loved you. And so you got that, right? Like if you've been in church world, you got that? Do you have, so, okay, so if that's true, then you're a Republican and you just love the Democrats to the left of you, right? <laughs> gotcha. All right. So, and, uh, and you're a Democrat and you love to the, the Republicans to the right of you, right? So, so that's easy for you, right? That's easy for you, right? That's easy for you to do, isn't it? So we don't even need to hear this message, do we, about loving one another? Because you just already do that, 
right? Yeah. And so you love people that are different from you, right? That they don't think like you or believe like you or act like you. You just love those people, right? People that maybe smell a little funny or a little weird. You just love them, right? Politically, economically, that are different there. People that don't, you know, believe like you believe. You, you just love them. You, you do this, right? You, you all do this, what Jesus talked about. Jesus said in John 15, he said, this is my commandment. Like, like here it is. Like, love each other in the same way that I've loved you. So the early church got a hold of this, church in Galatia, and they summarized it this way. And they said, Galatians chapter 5, verse 14, the whole law, in other words, watch, like your Bible, like the whole thing. You say, gosh, you know what? This is like complicated. There's all these books, you know, and, and, uh, and all these meanings in Greek and Hebrew. And I just, I don't know, like if I got the whole, here it is. Jesus, or, or Paul said, look, the whole law can be summed up this one command, like just Love your neighbor as yourself there. And so they gave that language to it that, uh, and you believe that, don't you? You believe that. And so, uh, Jesus said that this is all that you have to know. Like, this is the one commandment that you've got to get right. And if we could get this right, it would change us and change the world. And so, uh, to love others as you've been loved. And, and that's been around. Like, it's like sort of like flirted with our culture for a while, you know, love people, right? Remember the song back in the sixties, you know, all you needed. Remember that song? You love. And it's, they were kind of like, you know, all they needed was love and they, you know what I'm talking about. But Jesus said that it's, it's, it's far more, com- you know, what he said is far more complicated, but it's incredibly demanding and incredibly difficult. And so Jesus modeled this in the summary of his life in Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to just summarize that for you. He said, be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourself. So there's the essence of love. You must have the same, remember we talked about last week, mindset, attitude as Christ Jesus had. And so this is what he did. He didn't think equality with God is something to cling to. In other words, to hold to or his divine privileges there. But he gave up. Or he surrendered, right? Okay, he surrendered. He took the humble position. And this is the key to love, the humble position. And then he was born as a human being. And he humbled himself. And he died a death, a criminal's death, on a cross here. So there is God. And you need to, you need to see this. So here's God. God at a place he could, remember, he could go no higher. And he went to a place he could go no lower. And he humbles himself here. And I just want to make this point here. Because who in your life? will be loved over the long term. If you're not willing to step down and you're not willing to humble yourself, you're not willing to give up your rights and you're not willing to do this, who really is ever going to be loved? So Jesus modeled it and Jesus taught it here. And Jesus did something there that it staggered the culture. It staggered the religious culture of the day, the church culture there, because he did things that no one had ever done. And he would love the unlovables. He would love the invisible. He would love the forgotten and the disenfranchised and the marginalized. And what he did was so radical in that day. And because in the Old Testament, this is how it was. There was to be a separation. And there was all the ceremonial laws and, and all. And you were to be separate. And, and so holiness was kind of seen as being separate. And now Jesus comes along and says, no, no, it's not like that anymore. I'm bringing to you something new here. He said, he said, yeah, what you need to know is this, is that, is that there is, it's a new day. 
And so Jesus comes, you know, as a, in, in human flesh and sticky, you know, gooey, you know, uh, smelly flesh, you know, God, you know, becomes flesh and dwells among us. Uh, what Jesus did is, is a, he touched the untouchables. He loved the unlovable here. And so, and the point is this, Jesus was saying this, like, look, you're no longer separate from you're no longer separate from the, the, the unlovables and the untouchables and the forgotten and the invisible and the marginalized. You're no longer to be separated from them. It's a new day and, and now you're to engage them. You're engaged to engage all of them and that's, that's how you love them. So Jesus said this. He said, look, and I'm going to spend the rest of the time trying to unpack this and hit it from different angles and all. So, but he said this, look, loving me it's not, it's not just like you think loving me. It's about loving others, and that's how you love me. Jesus said, like, look, the new holiness is this, is that you get your hands dirty, and you mix it up with the marginalized and the disenfranchised. You see, see, it's way more demanding. Like, and this is what we do, and this is why we provide serve opportunities all the time, like in a couple of weeks, uh, we're going to Sucumbi Lake. We're always reaching out because we want to give opportunities so that we can do this as a church and bless the community. So one day, Jesus there is, a, is a walking toward Capernaum. And he's walking toward Capernaum. And so what happened was is that his followers, the disciples, are kind of behind him. And he's walking. You can imagine there's the 12 of them behind him. And he can kind of hear what they're saying there. And like he's heard enough. Like, throw the penalty flag, hurt enough, time for a reprimand. Uh, so he says this in Mark chapter 9, verse 33. We're going to have a little talk. Jesus asked his disciples, Hey, like, what were you discussing on the road there? They've been arguing about who was going to be the greatest. And he sat down and called the 12 disciples over and said this, Whoever wants to, you know, be first must take the last place. I'll be the servant of all here. And so they're kind of getting into it, getting a little heated, getting in each other's face, you know, and arguing and all here. So Jesus then says, you know, come on, come on, guys, come on, bring it in, bring it in. We got, we got to talk about this. Then Mark 10, 23, or sorry, uh, says this, 10, 33. Listen, he said, we're going to go up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man is going to be betrayed and the leading priests and the teachers of the law, and they're going to sentence him to die. So check this out. Try to get your minds around this. This is like intense. This is emotional. This is tender moment here. And Jesus is saying, you know what I've been talking about? Like how the religious leaders, they're going <coughs> to, they're going to trap me. Well, it's going to work. All that's going to happen is, uh, they're going to trap me. They're going to, you know, have a mock trial. They're going to arrest me. Uh, they're going to beat me. They're going to spit on me and, and, and they're going to kill me. But, but I'm going to rise from the dead on the third day. And so, this emotional, intense moment here is very tender. And what the disciples do is shocking. It's just shocking. Like if you're a parent, you could probably relate to this moment. Like maybe one time you've talked to your, your children, your kids, and it's, it's tender and it's emotional and it's, it's intense. And you say, you know, I love you. And, and uh, you, you just need to know that you're always going to be my number one and, 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 and you mean the world to me. And they go, okay, can I go now? And like there's this massive disconnect, you know what I'm talking about? That's what happened here. Just this massive disconnect. Mark chapter 10, verse 35. Then James and John, okay, so there's the context. Jesus is talking, I'm going to go die, right? 
Watch the disconnect. Then James and John, the son of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, uh, we want you to do us a favor. Jesus says, what is your request? They replied, well, when you sit on that glorious throne, we don't even want that throne. Like you deserve to be on that throne. All we want is the right and the left. We just want the best seats in the house. We want to sit next to you on your right and on your left. That's all that we want, Jesus. That's all that we're asking of you. In verse 41, now watch this. Was it just the two? Then the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, and they were indignant. Why were they indignant? Why do you think they were indignant? Because they wanted the same thing. They're like, dang, wish we would have thought of that. So I can't believe it that, that the sons of Zebedee are going to get the best seats. Oh, we're going to get the, we're going to get the worst seats in the house. And uh, someday there's going to be the, the, you know, the, the last supper and somebody's going to make a painting and we're going to be over on the sides and they're going to be with Jesus. Like, dang it. And so verse 42, Mark 10. And you know that the rulers in this world, Jesus says, they, they lord it over. So Jesus is like, you know, you guys don't get it. You just don't get it. So he says, you know what? Pull it in. Every guys, pull it in. We're going to have a little chit-chat here. And I'm going to explain this to you, how it works here. And so he says, you know, the rulers in this world, how they lord it over people, those with authority and power. He said this, this is what they do. They leverage it for who? For themselves, right? Okay, I'm going to be asking questions. I kind of need a little more response here this morning. And so, so he said this here. He's saying like, look, they leverage their influence. They leverage their authority. They leverage their power for who? For themselves, right? So Jesus says, but it's not among you. See, look, look, this could change your life. If we get this one point here, it says, among you, it's to be different, not so among you, like, listen to me, everyone gathered here, all your authority, all your power, okay, whatever it is you've got, Jesus is saying, don't leverage that for yourself, leverage that for others, and so these four words here, not so among you, could change your life, it will be different. Friends, these are incredibly powerful words here, so Jesus said, look, among my followers, you're not to be like everybody else. Look at what they're doing, and you do the opposite. And so Jesus says, look, he continues, said, if you want to be first, you must be my slave. Whoever wants to be a leader must be your servant. Even the Son of Man, like, look, look at me, even me. I didn't come to be served. If anybody deserved to be served, wouldn't it be like God? Jesus said, look, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many there. So I want us to see this. Is serving is the very nature of God himself. And we were created in his image. You were created to find fulfillment in serving. You really were. And so, uh, and so see, serving will transform you. Serving will cause you to, to resemble Christ. And if you want to refresh your faith or grow, you know, you need to find a place where that could come to expression there. And so it's like this. Jesus said, look, the world is all going in, in one direction here. And like he says, he stuck a detour sign in the ground. He said, not so among you. He said, look, you're to go in the opposite direction that you see everyone else going. And so he said, look, if you want to follow me, 
Go this way. Do life differently here. Walk a different path. Walk a path of serving others here. And so if you're kind of visual, some people are visually oriented. If you're visually oriented, just raise your hands just so I could get a feel how many are visually oriented. I'm visually oriented. And so, uh, so if you're visually oriented, I, I did an, had an org chart made up to help illustrate this here. And so check this out here. This is the org chart of the culture here. Check it out. There is me, right? And you're all employed by me, okay? Family, friends, everybody's employed by me here. And so notice that everything you do, it's for me. It's for me there. And so everybody sees that it's all about me from top to bottom. Well, Jesus came along here. He starts this revolution. He has the audacity to completely flip the org chart. That's what Jesus did. He says, no. Then he does this. Look, here's the new org chart for his followers. You're overwhelmed by that, aren't you? You're just overwhelmed. <laughs> just feeling it. I'm just feeling it. And so he says, look, you know, Jesus says, no, like, okay, now you, you actually go to the bottom there, and you use your influence and your authority, uh, and so and you tell others, like, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm here for you, and I'm here to, I'm, I'm here to serve you, and I'm here to, to humble myself here. And you know what some people would say? You're crazy. You're like, you're out of your mind. Like nobody does that. Nobody does that. Jesus said, yeah, but the son of man, he actually came to, to serve and to give his life. So now Jesus is not against org charts and Jesus is not against leading. That's not the point. The point is this. The point is that uh, Jesus said, look, you go up by going down. You become great by, by, by going low. And it's interesting. It's interesting that our culture has discovered this. Jim Collins, who wrote the book, you know, In Search of Excellence and Good to Great. And he, he's not even a churchgoer, right? He's not even a, he's not a person of faith or anything like that. He said, and, and here's what he said, that the experts are proving what Jesus said here. The researcher, what they did is he looked at the greatest companies with the greatest leaders that produced the greatest things. And what he thought was this. He thought the defining quality of the greatest leaders would be what? What would you think it would be? charisma and personality, dynamic personality and all that. And so that's what he thought. He thought that would be the defining uh, quality of the great leaders uh, of the companies of our nation. He called them level five leaders there. And so uh, what he found was, what the research found was this, is that humility was the defining quality of the great leaders, of the great companies doing the greatest things in America. And he wrote a book on that. And he said it's so compelling, it's such a paradox, that it's a mix of this personal uh, humility here uh, with, an, with a professional will and an ambition. But it's not, just, it's not about themselves. It's about others here. And so, uh, so he said this is, not what, this is not just what great leaders, uh, what I think about them. This is what they do. They're humble. Just what Jesus said 2,000 years ago. And so whatever your power, whatever your authority, whatever your position, Jesus was saying this, don't use it for yourself, use it for others, and you can change the world. And so, uh, so how do I put this into practice here? You know, I know some of us, uh, uh, you know, in the survey, the number one question that people answer in the, in the Easter survey was this. Show me how to do it. Show me how to put Jesus' teachings into practice here. 
And so I want to, I want to, I'm going to lean into that over the next, uh, six weeks as we do this series here. So here's what you do. You know, you might say, you know what? Dang, it's like, it's so complicated and there's all these books in the Bible and there's all these scriptures and I don't know, I don't know if I understand. Here's, here's all you have to do. Here's all you have to do is when you show up with your family and you show up at work, and you show up in your marriage, you show up in relationships, and you show up with your kids, you do this, do this one thing, ask this one question. What can I do to help? What can I do to help? Can we all say that together? One, two, three. Now, for some of you, that was kind of hard to say, wasn't it? I'm just kidding. But you know what? Why should we ask this question? Why should we ask this question, you know, what should I, what should I do to help? Because that's the very question that your heavenly father asked about you. And then he answered, because think about it. When you were lost and you were broken and you were out there and spiritually like you were an orphan and you had no father, when you, you were in that condition there, God asked the question, like, what can I do for you? How, how can I help? And then he answered the question. And he came to earth, he humbled himself, and, uh, and he put you ahead of himself, and he served you, and he stepped down, and he surrendered himself, and he gave up his life to rescue you, to help you, and he leveraged his power and his authority and his position, and he came and he helped all of us. And he says, now, that's what I need you to do to have that mindset here. And so I'm going to do what Jesus did for me. So in your notes, the second point is this, is leverage your influence and your, uh, leverage your influence for the benefit of others. That's what you do if you want to love like Jesus. Now, can you imagine if we just got this one thing right? Just this one thing, if we got this one thing right, what that would do? Imagine like everyone would want to hire you. Everyone would want to work for you. Everyone really would be like, uh, like amazed by you here if we just got this one thing right. Okay. If we just got it right in our marriages, would, they would be better. Okay. It would make our families better. Would make our communities better. Would make our church better. Would make our businesses better. Would make your life better if we just got this one thing right. And so Jesus then, he goes on with his disciples there. And remember, he's trying to, he's trying to, to convince them and teach them and show them the reality of, of loving and serving here. So now it's Passover. And I unpacked this a little bit last week. I'm going to unpack a little bit more. So now it's Passover. And so the most important celebration, you know, of the calendar year there. And so Jesus there is in this room, rented uh, with his disciples there. And so, uh, and remember in that culture, I talked about it last week. Remember in that culture that uh, they would wash their feet when they come into a room. Okay. It was, it was like ingrained in culture because remember, there's no sewage system. There's no sanitation system there. And so in a culture dominated by animals, where there's animal excrement and animal urine, and you're walking in that everywhere you go. I mean, it's gross, right? You think your feet are gross now, first century feet? You know, your feet are nothing compared to their feet, okay? And so, I mean, back then it's like, it's nasty. It's like an OSHA violation, you know what I mean? It's toxic, so it's funny. I don't care what you think. So, anyway, are we clear about people's feet? Are we clear? Okay. So, you had to wash your feet there. 
Because then you go to eat, you know, and your feet are like, like they don't sit at high tables, they sit at low tables. So your feet are like all up in their food and their face and everything. And so you got to wash your feet. It's like it's huge, right? It's a big deal. It's a really big deal here. And so standard social protocol is you come into a room and like you wash your feet before you go to the table. Okay, you go, you do that, you know. And so uh, I'm actually going to need a couple, couple uh, uh, people to volunteer to come up on stage. I'm not going to ask any questions, but to... But to unpack this illustration, I need a couple people. So can I get a couple guys here, or am I going to have to call on you? Come on up. Come on up. So, uh, yep, come up. Thank you. Put your hands together and thank our volunteers here. So come up right right here, right here. Just need you to stand. I just need you to stand right there because uh, I want to illustrate this. Yeah, just stand, stand, stand right here. Okay. So here's what happens. Here's what happens. And so uh, Jesus is going to celebrate uh, the, uh, the Passover here. What happens is, is that after, uh, like, I'm one of the disciples, and then I got, I'm gonna say, Peter and John, okay? They're gonna follow me in the foot washing deal here. And so, I blow by the bowl, right? I blow by the bowl here, and, uh, and so, Peter then, and John, they're thinking, they see me sitting at the table, right? And they look at me and go, that turkey, that buzzard, that, that bum, he didn't wash his feet. You know why he didn't wash his feet? Because if he would have washed his feet, he would have been down there, you know, washing his feet. And, uh, and remember what Jesus says, you gotta serve one another? They, Peter's thinking, the bum didn't get, didn't go, didn't go and sat at the table because he didn't wash my feet. And John's thinking the same thing. He doesn't wash my feet. And so, you know what Peter and James, uh, Peter, Peter, James, John all do? They blow by the bowl too. They're thinking, you know what? He didn't do it. I'm not going to do it because then, look at, if Peter goes down and washes his feet, he's going to have to wash John's feet. And so Peter then, uh, he blows by, John blows by, and they're all blowing by. Remember that thing I talked about, the, the painting and all? They're thinking about what we want to be like right in the middle there, right next to Jesus, you know. And so that's what they did. So guys, thank you for being a part of my illustration here. And so all 12 guys do the same thing. You know the conversation around the table? Conversation around, remember they don't get it? They just don't get it. Like, perhaps... I don't get it. Or we don't get it. And so, so they're having another conversation about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom, who's going to be the most awesome. And Jesus is like, I can't believe they, like they don't get it here. And so Jesus is like showing them every reason, you know, to serve and, and they just don't, they just don't get it there. And so they're feeling like, I'm better than you and I'm better than you and I'm not going to serve and all. And so Jesus does the unthinkable. The rabbi takes off his outer garment and he goes and then he washes all 12 of their feet. And watch this. The scriptures say, and he loved them to the very end. Now think about that. He's loving them to the very end. And he's having a bad day and he's going to have the worst day of his life. And sometimes I don't want to serve because I'm having a bad day. And Jesus served them to the very end of his bad day leading up to the worst day of his life. And so, and there he is. Think about it. He, he's loving them to the very end. The ones that are going to betray him and deny him. And they all annoyed him. And there he is. And I see him affirming them. I see him not just washing their feet, but speaking to them and talking to them and loving them to the very end, 
with his words and his example. And he says this, Jesus says in John chapter 13, after washing their feet, he sat down and asked, do you understand? Do you understand what I was doing? I've given you an example to follow. And these are in the very final moments of his life. And so in the very final moments of his life, why would he wash their feet? Staggering, if you try to get your mind around it. In the most difficult moment of Jesus' uh, life, he said this, I'm going to put you, I'm going to put you ahead of me. And so John 13, 34, so I'm giving you each a new commandment, as I read earlier, to love one another. Could you imagine Could you imagine if we just did this one thing here? Not to get lost in the details here, but to engage the least, engage the lost, engage the marginalized, the disenfranchised, the forgotten. If we just did this one thing, and you use whatever power you have, whatever authority that you have there, whatever position that you have, if you just use that, to to, and you leverage that in your life to serve and love others, what that could do here? See, Here's, here's the reality. We think spirituality is, are, are things like that. We get it confused. We get what real spirituality is. We get it very confused here because we think, you know what, uh, the real, I'm really spiritual if, you know, I have tremendous insight and knowledge, you know, and you just all come and listen to me, you know, because, because I, I understand the, you know, the deeper things of God, you know, and I have the ability, you know, to, uh, you know, to, 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 uh, to communicate that you would hang on every word, you know. That's not spirituality. That's not spirituality. The fruit of the Spirit, watch, it's all like this. Watch. The fruit of the Spirit is what? To love, to be loving, joy, peace. I'm patient with you, kind there. You see what? I, see where we're going here? Goodness, gentleness. Where does all of that come expression? But here, horizontally here. It's not vertical. It's not vertical. Fruit of the Spirit comes to expression all here and how we live our lives. And so when you're really spiritual, you love people. You just care about people. And so John 3.16. Why is it so important? Because this is what changes people's lives here. That God so loved the world that what he do, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him would not perish, but, but have this everlasting life here. And this is the whole message of the gospel and the message of love here. And so, so thirdly in your notes here, okay, to love like Jesus, you ask this question here. What does love, what does it require of me? First John chapter 4 verse 7 said, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. See, the whole thing comes from, from, from him. Um, we receive from him. He changes our hearts. Our hearts are, are radically changed. And then that comes to expression in our world. And so let me close with this thought. You know, when you think of people in your life that you have the hardest time not liking or you have the hardest time um, loving, and I'm like you and, and, and I live in that world, there are people in my life that, that I have a harder time liking or loving than others. But I'll tell you what, is it the people that I struggle? There's, there's one category that, I've, that I struggle with, and fortunately it hasn't happened very often. But if you hurt my children, or you are unkind to my children, or unfair to my children, you are going to have problems with me. And I have three sons, and 
when they were younger, you know, actually they're still doing some sports stuff, but, uh, but when they were young and all, uh, we began that journey as a lot of parents do of, of playing sports. And, uh, and if you, uh, you hurt me in that context there, there was no sense in trying to make peace with me. If you were unfair to my, one of my sons, uh, if you didn't play my son and my son was better than your son, <laughs> you could buy me gifts, uh, you could sing me songs, you could praise my name, you could give me money, but there was no compensating for that. There was no compensating. For, or a teacher for that matter. I know you're, all you teachers are fair, but there were times when I felt they were unfair. Really in my mind, there was, there was no compensating for that. And so... Uh, because uh, the best thing that you could do for me is you could love my kids. That's the best thing you could do for me. Because if you loved one of my kids, you were loving me. You love my kids, you love me. And so when I was on the journey there, we had a, I had a bumpy, a really bumpy uh, time in sports where it just didn't go well on one one particular team, and, and so we're going to do another team. And so I was just there hanging out with my son, and we were knocking the ball around. And this guy was watching. His name was Elvis Ramirez. And he was watching, you know, and he was on the, he was on the rival team. And so he comes over and he says, um, uh, do you mind if I talk to your son? I, Who are you? I'm, I'm Elvis Ramirez. I said, sure, go, go ahead and talk to my son. And so I just let him talk and hang out. And, uh, and so he was engaging my son. And he moved toward my son, and he was talking to my son, and um, and he came over to me, and he screamed as loud as he could scream, and I can't, I can't say all the words that he used, but because um, we're in church, so but he said he screamed as loud as he could. He said, "Your son can play soccer." He used a word before that, and then and your your son can play soccer, and he screamed it out really loud, and he was very fair to my son. He was kind to my son. And, um, and he genuinely loved my son. And I thought, I just love Elvis. <laughs> I love Elvis. I love Elvis Ramirez. I would do anything for Elvis Ramirez. And Elvis would ask me to pick up kids in Marino Valley and Riverside and Fontana and San Bernardino for years. And I gladly did that. And when he left and went to, went to Texas, he said, would you do my job? About 20 hours a week as a volunteer. I said, I would love to do your job. Because Elvis loved my son. And I would have done anything for, for Elvis. I, I, would, I, I supported the whole team. I, just, I loved Elvis so much because he loved my son. And so here's the point. Loving me, it really had so little to do with loving me. It's about loving my son. And because he loved my son, he was loving me. And that's the point. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying that, look, what if, what if it was this simple? What if it was this simple? You know, you get into difficult moments and you don't know what to do and you're confused and all that. What if it was this simple? What do I do in any given moment? What is required of me but to love? That's it. I give you a new commandment. Just love one another. We want to complicate it and put layers of things, but it's really, it's that simple. I'm going to love the way that Jesus loved me. That's all the early church had, really. 
They didn't have a Bible. They didn't have scriptures for everything. That was hundreds of years later. What they had was this. They had this, this experience that Jesus has loved me, uh, and that's what I'm going to do. And that changed the world. It's that simple, and that, that changed the world. And we could actually do that again. This is what Jesus asked us to do. He said, when you love my children, you're loving me. And so this, this is the word of the Lord. This is something, if you want to follow Christ, this is what you're to walk out for the rest of your life. And the people that are like you and you love and hang out, they're like, they're easy to love. I'm talking about the ones that aren't easy to love. I don't like that. They bug me, you know. Their personality, they get on my nerves. Those are the ones, if you could rethink that, maybe you could show the love of God to them. If you'd bow your heads with me. And so, Father, we thank you. There's no one like you. Something so simple but so difficult. As we approach you this morning with reverence and awe, we stand in, in awe of the one who gave it all. We stand before you, a holy God. God who sent his only son that we might have life in him. A merciful God. You alone are our refuge. You alone are our hope. You are the God that has captured our hearts with your unfailing love. And may that come to expression in our lives. Great is your faithfulness. And true are your promises. We trust in you. So would you work in our lives as only you can. In Jesus' name.